Hello and welcome to the Heads and Volleys podcast with me, Lee Dunn. All right, Heads and Volleys, here we go. I have an exciting guest today, Kieran Boyle. I'm going to just have a little intro with him in a second, but it's really important that you guys get to know what Kieran does, what he says, and he and I have connected over Twitter recently, and I figured this was a perfect opportunity to bring him to you, especially right now. We've, we've all got plenty of time on our hands, unfortunately, and so, Kieran, give us a little uh, introduction, who you are, where you're from, kind of what you do. Uh, Lee, thanks for having me on. Um, like Lee says, Kieran Boyle, I live currently in Middletown, Ohio, which is in southwest Ohio. Um, I'm a high school math teacher. Um, I'm also a director of coaching for a local club called Eclipse Football Club. Um, and also just got named in January as the head varsity boys coach um, for Middletown High School. So exciting times for me. You seem to hold a lot of the roles that or a lot of positions as many coaches do. So you seem to wear a lot of hats. Yes. Uh, <laughs> My wife gets on me a lot and says sometimes I need to learn to say the the word no. <laughs> um, but it's been – I've really enjoyed – the director of coaching thing has been huge for me because I spent um, probably the better part of like 10 years as a club coach in the club. And then to take that step to the next level where you're overseeing all the coaches and you're impacting like every parent, every player, um, it does change the dynamic a lot. Um, it also adds a lot more fires you have to put out, which I didn't ever really realize as the, as a coach, how much the director of coaching and, and people above end up dealing with. What, uh, what would you say the, the biggest thing that you deal with on a regular basis is as a DOC? Um, I think one is, uh, supporting coaches for what they need. Um, we're a kind of a smaller or we're much smaller than um, a lot of the larger clubs around the Southwest Ohio. So we're roughly between like 15 and 20 teams. Uh, so I think sometimes we see some of the facilities or some of the extra trainings or all those types of things that go on with some of the bigger clubs and, you know, just financially. And then just what we have at our disposal, sometimes um, we can't do all those things. Um, so I think the big thing for me was being open to like feedback from coaches and parents uh, and not taking it like personally and being able to say like, look, that's something I'll look into and work on. Like we keep adding layers to it, um, but we have a long ways to go. Um, but me, I, yeah. Let me ask you about, because I, I have friends and I've held the director coaching position before. And often the first thing they say is that they have to deal with parents. And so it's interesting that you, the first thing you bring to the table is dealing with coaches and supporting coaches. Now, is that something that you have fostered in terms of being available to coaches or is that something that was already in place? And I ask that because if I think about most coaches and probably myself too, that my actual contact with the director of coaching is, is very limited. So I'm interested in that. Um, yeah, I think being in, in the club previously as a club coach, I kind of felt like, um, our direct you know, there was times where there could have been more impact or being seen. Um, 
and giving impact via like email and text and what have you to, uh, to kind of get people involved and in the mix. And I think, so I made maybe a conscious effort when I came in that I was going to try to be there as much as possible for my coaches via like just even having like uh, periodic meetings as a group and getting feedback and sending out Google forms. And I'm constantly trying to get um, kind of impact or input from, from the coaches. I know from my side, I felt like when I was a coach, I was doing it. I was in the mix. I was in the front lines, you know, dealing with whatever it might've been, the struggles that my team had weaknesses and strengths, or if I did have a parent issue, um, I just wanted to kind of build maybe just a, a support system for the coaches that felt like they didn't have to, they weren't on their own, I guess, in a way. Um, I know it's not perfect what I've got set up. Um, but I try to do, you know, as best that, that I can to help them out. I think it's such a, it's, it's a really positive way of looking at it. And I say that because a lot of people end up or a lot of coaches end up as a director of coaching because it often pays a little bit more money. And so they accept the role because they can make a little bit more money, but maybe they haven't approached it or maybe they haven't shared that they've approached it in the same way that you have there in terms of actually using that position to provide or to help in as many ways as possible. So I think that's a really interesting take on it and one that I think all DOCs probably have at heart, but maybe haven't actually verbalized and, and have begun that process. Yeah, I think it's, it changed for me as well because when I first got into like the select environment, I was so focused on like just getting results and winning and winning and winning. And now that I oversee, you know, 20 to 30 different coaches and then all the players within it, like I meet or I train each club or each team within the club each week. Um, if we were doing like right now, but you know, um, but usually I would, so each, I would have a team training with each of them. So having kind of a broader look on things has, has changed for me um, in terms of coaching. You get so focused on your group of 15 to 18 and what they're doing. Um, so for me as the director kind of seeing over everything gives me, I have to kind of keep a balance um, and what have you. And I think that's helped me kind of take a step back and just, I think um, the coaching and directing side of it for me has almost become more and more like relational side um, so the, when I see a kid and they get excited and hop up and down and give me a high five or, um, you know, when I stop by and just get a quick conversation with my coaches, like being able to go around from field to field and have the kids recognize me. And I know one of the big things for me too, um, and it's like a teaching thing is I'm really good with remembering names. Mm. Uh, so, uh, I think it's huge for, and I tell my coaches, man, you've got to know your name, the names of the kids on your team. Uh, it sounds like a simple thing, but it's huge for them when you sit there and, and pop off like, Hey, Peyton, nice job right there. Instead of saying like, Hey kiddo, or nice job, big guy or big, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, when they know, and I've had it cause we'll have club tournaments and I'll be going around on my golf cart, you know, checking things out. And they absolutely love it. I'm just going through and just pinging names left and right. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's, for me, that's, and that's something too that, I mean, I will probably talk about the um, high school coaching too, but 
that's something else that's kind of been huge for me is, is as much as it's X's and O's, like the impact that we make on these kids now and then growing forward and all those types of things is, is, you know, exponential beyond just the, the playing field. So let me ask you about the, the environment that you're creating in terms of trying to provide for your coaches as much as possible. You talk about becoming this, this guy that everybody knows about the club. You know the players. They know you. Is that, is that something that has been in place in terms of the club kind of culture of it being all-encompassing and, and a place of belonging? Is that something that you're working to build? And, and how are you doing that? I think it's a, it's a work in progress um, right now. Like when I became director coach and the club had, had been losing teams. Um, so the, the big push was, can I get more coaches in and start reaching out beyond like the Middletown area? Because before it was mainly just like local. So I started to kind of branch out um, beyond um, the kind of the local area to get more people coming in um, in terms of the coaching and with players. And my big push has been um, using social media and constantly sharing like what we're doing um, you know, highlighting the kids, like throwing videos up of them or highlighting coaches uh, and looking for like my coaches said, Hey, we'd like to have more help with um, technical training with our players. So I worked with um, Corver and one of their local branches here and had a couple of their coaches come in and, and work with our coaches. Um, some of the other feedback they said was they they would like to have kind of designated time in the winter to train with their teams. Um, in the past I would run like the club has me run like a winter training type thing, but they wanted something where they could keep working with their teams. And so then I set some that up for them. So it's, I think, and then I get to share all that kind of stuff. Like, Hey, here's some of the things that we're putting in place here. You know, we're doing this for coaches or, Hey, your kids can come to this. Um, and like I said, I think just being out there and visible, um, you know, as much as it's like X's and O's, there's like that marketing side um, of things. And I'm always a big believer that if the kids are happy, then the parents are happy. And it kind of just is cyclical and it keeps kind of growing by word of mouth and what have you. It's really interesting to, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's, I guess, interesting in terms of, having coaches provide their their opinion or their requests or their ask, but it's another thing to actually be able to deliver on it. And that's that I think is really empowering for me as an individual asking you, can I work with my team? Because often you'll hear, well, actually the way we do it is the DOC deals with it. And that's kind of often a shutdown for people and the typical mm -hmm. kind of, this is the way we do it. So this is the way we do it and we don't change that. And to, to know that coaches have that voice, I think you, you, do you find that you keep coaches longer, especially if they're higher licensed coaches or coaches that are trying to, you know, achieve more that they find themselves stick, sticking around more because of the environment you're creating. I think, uh, well, we, our coaching side is interesting because we're probably a majority parent coach. Um, and all of my coaches are volunteers, so none of them get paid. Mm. Um, we're one 
of the on the like the fee side we're one of the cheapest if not the cheapest in the area um so for me that's another like um i guess motivation to get their input because i'm really here for them as much because you know they're taking time out of their lives and taking their passion and their energy and putting it into the kids you know two or three times a week for trainings and then or practices and then going off and doing their tournaments and games and such um so the other thing is too, a lot of them since are, since they're local there, I think their big push is what can we do to get our players better um, in terms of when they slide into high school um, and then possibly even beyond. So I think there's like a, a, a real like lock in from the coaches themselves personally um, to see not only their kids, but like their classmates and peers also develop and grow um because in this area southwest ohio is is got not only at the select level has some just unreal talent but also has some really quality high school programs and right now in my specific area like in this middletown area um the high school programs have kind of struggled a bit so we're we're trying to now maybe use our eclipse fc a little bit to kind of grow that um so i've got some local like high school coaches that are in the mix now um which is helping as we grow them, you know, through the middle ages and be like, Hey, once you get to 11 v 11, we're going to be handing you over to like a local high school coach and what have you. So, which, so then even more important to provide an environment in which these coaches feel supported and, and feel the love, because as you said, if there's, there's multiple clubs that are close, it's probably easier for them to give up coaching and just put their kid in an environment where they don't have to worry about it and they can pay fees or whatever, if that works for them. But yep. if they're in a space where they have a little more control and they're fully supported and I want to go back to, you mentioned about bringing Curver in and, and people feel the way they feel about technical training and all that sort of stuff. But I'm a huge fan of multiple voices. And I think that's really important that yes, I get paid to work with my teams, but I really enjoy when my players have my, the club I work in, we have an athletic development program. And so once every couple of weeks, they work with a different coach and he works with them on different elements of SAQ and, and developing running styles and, and all sorts of physical stuff that a, I don't know. I don't understand fully. I don't have a grasp on much like you mentioned about bringing in the curve for them having their specialized skills in terms of skills and foot develop foot skill development. And then B it's just, it is so valuable for these players to hear a different voice. And often my experience with volunteer coaches or parent coaches is that that parent will coach their kid for their entire soccer career until they can no longer possibly do it, which is because they've gone to high school or to club or, or, or to college or what have you. So it's a really interesting perspective to, to embrace outside voices, especially in a smaller community club. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because um, with my like DOC led trainings that I do with each of the teams, um, there's been a couple of times where I have a, a accomplished coach and I said, you know what, do you really want to have them train with me? Or because I feel like you're going to crush it with the tactical and technical and all the little things that go into coaching. And they've said the same exact thing that you said. They said, you know what, they, I just like them hearing a different voice, um, a different kind of take on things. Um, and I actually did similar um, with coaching my kids. 
was my daughter. We got to a point last spring where I would kind of coach her and then she would fire back at me. And there was that <laughs> father daughter dynamic versus coach player. And so now I've handed her off um, to another coach. And I think that's better for her in terms of her development um, and what have you. And I, like you said, I think even as much as we on Twitter and all this stuff, we throw out, like, I like to play this style and I like that. I think it's cool to get different styles and ideas from people. Um, You know, even the, you know, lately the battles between like, you know, was Jurgen Klopp and versus uh, Simeone, like, you know, (laughs) which, you know, which one was the right one? Was that good football? That kind of like, that's, that's what's cool about the game of soccer. And even within my club, it's cool sometimes to see how um, some of the the coaches deal with certain scenarios um, and what have you. But I think you're right. The more these kids get to hear or see something like they will pick up one or two ideas from a session. Hopefully maybe that's something that spurs them on to be messing with it at home. Cause that's the ultimate goal is that these kids are doing stuff beyond the practice and the um, like the game session and the more variety, you know, I think variety is always good for people. I agree completely. So there's a, so there's a big push for, for high school soccer in, in your area and you, you coach high school soccer too. So let's move into what that, what that's like, I guess, are those players, players that also play in your club? So you see them kind of both sides. Um, there's a, there's a pretty good number of players from the Middletown high school that play in Eclipse FC. Um, so that's changed the dynamic a little bit because there's all these weird rules about how many can be on a team and who can coach them and all that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah. that's been pretty cool. Um, my, the one thing about Middletown is it's very, it's very diverse. Um, and so we have a lot of like the, um, like a Hispanic um, group. And so I'm really working right now to try to get them involved as much as possible um, in playing in the high school type of thing. The biggest, the biggest surprise for me uh, was I, when I got the job in January, I automatically went to watching all their games on huddle and breaking things down and like, Oh, here's the X's and O's. And I was doing like, Oh, will we do a four, three, three or four, two, three, one and all this. And then when I got and met with these guys, um, my whole perspective changed a little bit into like, now I'm really focused on mindset and developing kind of culture and team building and uh, that type of thing at this point. Why is that? I think the, well, again, we play in a, again, the the competition is really good down here. Um, And just watching them, and like in their videos and just, I had individual meetings with each of the kids. So I could kind of, you know, I, I asked them what their goals were for next year. What were their goals for the team? Um, what position they would like to play. And then I asked what things did they like with the program previously and what things did they not like? Um, and just hearing some of the things, a lot of the comments were not so much, like technical and tactical things. It wasn't like, Oh, I didn't like the, the formation or we struggle with passing or whatever. It was more of 
like when we got down a goal, our heads got down or if, you know, sometimes in practice, we didn't take it as seriously as we should, or maybe our effort wasn't where it was at. So then that kind of, after talking to them all, um, it changed my focus a little bit on I'm building these young men to become young men um, in the future. Some of them will get to play soccer at the next level, which would be awesome. But those things that they were talking about, I felt like were huge character um, skills that I need to continue to grow and build. And I think if you have kids that are resilient, work hard, focused, um, those things will show up in like adverse times because they're always going to be happening um, in the games. And so I think that kind of changes a little bit. So that's been my um, big thing is just trying to build kind of a family atmosphere uh, within the program. That's such a, again, just another example of listening that you've asked the question and you've listened and, I think maybe many people will come into this this environment knowing that it's a competitive program and be first driven to win. And as a soccer coach, the only way you know to win typically is by the X's and O's on the field. Yet you've asked the question and listened to the players and do you find that you're, you know, there's a, a different attitude from those players? you think it uh, is a different world from them now? I, I think so, yes. Like we've been doing up until um, – last week we were doing um conditionings and usually uh kids will kind of come conditionings but when you have open fields in the past all of a sudden you've got twice the numbers to come and just play the game versus have to put the work in um and we have not done any open fields it's been all conditioning and uh we have a strong strength and conditioning coach that works with them and um the numbers have been consistent all the way through um, the other thing I think that's huge, kind of like you said, with the listening is but the idea of just trust. If I'm going to ask them to go out there and like, bust their butt for 80 minutes in a varsity contest, they have to trust me. And I think this off season right now with me being new, I've got to build that before I can start saying, Hey, here's the expectations of the style of play and our game model and all those types of little things is showing that like I show up to everything. Um, I'm constantly in contact with them via text and all that kind of stuff. Like even now with the, the school closings and what have you, I'm constant every day they're getting a text from me or I'm putting something in team app or I'm posting stuff on Twitter. Like it's a constant. Um, Cause I feel like the more they see me like supporting them in person or via text or like that I'm putting work in um, they'll continue to do that. Uh, so I think for me, it's been huge. Um, like even taking the steps of everything that I do now that I type out, I translate it and put it into Spanish. So when it goes out, I know that all my players are understanding what's going on. Um, oh, yeah. because I feel like I know if I was in the position of someone who was like a English second language, or if I was in a different country like Mexico or what have you, I would struggle um, to kind of be able to communicate, that would just be a huge barrier. I don't want that to be a barrier because I want them to have opportunity to play. So I'm trying to like work my way through some of the, um, I don't know if I call them stigmas or whatever, but things that I could work through to make connections 
um, which again, I think directly connects to what I've learned from being the director of coaching, like this, that relationship side of things. If I can build that, then when it comes to, you know, July and August, when we start doing tryouts and start building things and start going there, um, the mindset and the buy-in I've already got. And that's, I'm kind of at a loss of what to say because it's just it's so perfect what you said because there's just so much value in even just translating or even just trying to connect with every individual and considering who they are and, and putting yourself in their shoes. And maybe that's something that coaches do, maybe it's something that coaches don't do. But when you hear it like that, it just you think one of the biggest power questions I've learned is, you know, what what is gonna what what can I do or what can this team do to for you to run through a wall for them? So what is it? And when you think about how you can connect with individuals in so many different ways, now you're building this philosophy and this team that is only going to be a good team, regardless of the results, regardless of the performance of the season. You talk about having this buy-in. You talk about having this communication. You talk about having this this community of players. And you also, you're a teacher too. Is that right, Kim? Yes, I am. High school math. So you coach you you coach and teach in the same high school? No, I actually teach um, at a high school about twenty minutes away. Um, and then I I live in Middletown, and my kids go to that high school. Um, which is another dynamic that is in the mix. You were talking about coaching your kids. So my oldest son will be a senior next year um, at Middletown High School that I'll be coaching. So that was a big kind of conversation. Like I went to him and I said, hey, this opportunity is there. You know, what's that? How's that feel for you? And kind of got his input on that. Um, so you said well. you coach your daughter. Have you coached your son too then? Yeah. So I have two, I have two older, I have two sons. Um, my oldest son is now a freshman who's running uh, cross country and track um, at Bluffton University here in Ohio. Um, so I coached, I coached him all the way through. Um, I took a break in the middle when they moved to select. And then I started coaching him and my other son, Bryson, who's my, who'll be my senior next year. So I've been coaching them um, pretty much their whole life. And same thing with my daughter. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been awesome. <laughs> so did your your um, your excursion into coaching soccer was was brought about by your kids, and then kind of go full circle into now becoming the DOC and, and influencing many others. Yeah, it was. It was just one of those that started started off in that three v three candy league when they're little <laughs> uh, little tykes all running like little uh, bees after honey, and uh, it just kept growing and they loved it, and so then I just kept sticking with it, and uh, it got to a point where at at that point it was in the in the the rec arena, and there's always that kind of spot where you we we fought the move to select my wife and I for a while we said yeah the boys are you know they're pretty good but you know they're developing so what could it hurt um 
And then it was after some nudging from some, some parents, friends of ours and some coaches that said, look, they'll, their development will go even further if you put them in some more challenging opportunities. And so then they kind of moved over into the select uh, side. And then I was a parent for a couple of years and watched, which was nice. Um, and then just kind of transitioned back into it and started <laughs> taking taking over a little bit not <laughs> I, purpose, I joke not about it purpose, it sounds it sounds like i was sitting over there like just scheming but god this guy knows nothing <laughs> what the heck is he doing yeah i talk but, about this with my wife with with planning to have a first child soon or at least try for a child and oh, that's awesome i said that i'm really looking forward to the day that i can sit on the side of a soccer field and not be as invested as i am when i'm coaching and she she jokes and says well yeah we'll see how long that lasts for so <laughs> yeah i don't ever it, want to be that because i know that the person that is on the side of the field coaching is just doing their best and that that's all i ever do whether i do a good job or a bad job i i can always walk away and say i did my best but that i definitely don't want to be that judge judy character of a parent but man i i just really want to sit back and enjoy a game once in a while well, it's, it's funny too, because that's one thing what you were talking about, like dealing with parents at the, like at well, any level. Um, one of my big things that I continually send out and remind people is just make sure that when your kid walks off the field, just tell them, I love watching you play. Mm. Don't go into, don't make it a 30 minute drive in the car of reliving the entire game. Which is um, a reality for a lot of kids. It is. And so I know I had, I went through that you know, like you said, just you're over there and you're constantly just giving input. And now kind of watching that my boys go through high school when I wasn't coaching them and be able to sit back. I realize because the field becomes so much bigger. So I'm at that point, they don't hear the parents that much anyway. Um, and it just came to me. I, or re, I just kind of dawned on me, like, I'm just going to sit here and just enjoy it. Like they've been playing for, you know, 10 years, 12 years. Um, you know, they're 16, 17 at this point, they are what they are and they'll figure it out. Um, and if not, then, you know, get back to practicing and get the coaching (laughs) and all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, they make a mistake. They know that they've made a mistake. They don't. And kids of pretty much any age know that already. That's, that's one of my favorite ones is, Oh, what did you do that for? I knew I did it. (laughs) Yeah. And then just the over micro the micro coaching of constantly telling them where to, where to pass and all that kind of stuff. Like I've, it's been a huge, I mean, that's a grow. I know when I first started coaching, cause I coached basketball back when I first started teaching and it was embarrassing. Like my wife said, it, all you do is yell the whole stinking game. Hmm. Uh, and so now I've had to, I think I'm more now um, deliberate with my thoughts. Like I'm constantly thinking about the next play, you know, whatever opportunity to score ball goes out of bounds. We miss it. Not a big deal. Hey, we'll get another one, but Hey, now we got to think about how we're going to press or how we're, you know, all those next um, things. I think that's part of just the growing up and development as a coach for me. So do you have a a focus with, uh, with the players? So go back to the, the high school. Is there a, I guess it's a two loaded question In, in one what are your crossovers from teaching to coaching? And then you talked about the, the connection with the players and developing this kind of mental side and this relationship and this team spirit with the players. So then what, what's your process kind of moving beyond that? Um, 
It's a bit of a loaded question. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, that makes me think. <laughs> uh, I think just in terms of like my focus, in terms of just keep building and building, like just keep working um, at what we're trying to do. The, the big thing too that I'm trying to get with, um, at least at the high school level, and um, is with the with the soccer team is the communication side. That was something that came up a lot with them. Was just there was a lack of communication. Um, some guys didn't know others as well on the team. So my goal moving forward is to start making it where it's less of me doing the communicating and more of them, uh, and working on like, hey, at the end of get, you know end of practices, everyone gives everybody a fist bump or you're matching up with someone that you, you know, that someone new that you don't usually match up with. Um, in terms of like connection from teaching, I think the organizational side, um, just from, I've reached out to a lot of high school coaches via Twitter and, and what have you and social media and gotten a lot of really cool things. And one of the big things that I pick up on is everyone is very organized and what they want to get accomplished so I've been trying to be sending out like, hey, here's what our conditioning is going to look like. Here's what this week's coming up is going to look like. Like just trying to paint the picture as much as possible um, to take away any like surprises um, and what have you, especially not only for them, but for their parents. So they know, hey, at this time, and I'm real big on if we're done at 430, we're done at 430. Uh, I'm not big on like continuing on just so I can get my extra two points in. Uh, <laughs> type of thing but i think uh you made a good point there to touch on that whilst the the season itself is relatively short you have all year as you said you're building this you're, you're developing the the communication with the players you're developing yeah. this this whole environment so that yeah whilst you are only playing for this short amount of time you are developing a team throughout the entire year and that's been been kind of a, it's been a change for me because even at the select level we kind of get together and I see them a couple of times a week um and it's one of the downsides of not being in the high school in terms of being able to see the boys like every day sure yeah. um but even we were to the point where we were doing four days a week of some something so I was getting to them and seeing them and the other thing that I do I call it the midi turf check because I drive by the high school quite a bit. So if I see one of our boy, one of my boys or the players out there, you know, playing pickup or working on their game or have cones out, I try to get, a, I try to pull over and take a picture and then I post it to give them a shout out. Yeah. Um, so it's like little things like those, the, what's the saying of ca catching people doing good um, and just trying to get that, that constant buy. And I think consistency is, is, is huge. So if I can just keep going at it, but like you were saying, having them technically for a full year. So I've got to find ways to continue to, to spark their passion and work on some things. And then, like you said, the, the fall is going to be really, really quick um, in terms of the games and what have you, but I'm excited. Yeah. And it's, if I think if you, like you say, you're organized and you plan it well, then you only go into the season prepared and then you're only really touching on things that they already know about. And I do the same thing with my players where 
we have we have a game model and we have our ways of playing and there are you know x y and z options whenever we have the ball in certain parts of the field and certain behaviors so a lot of our practices look very similar and the games are often very similar the numbers vary depending on our periodization but they nothing is new to them whenever they come to practice they know that in this block we're working on whatever the phase is and when they get there there's no surprises i'm not about to say something that's going to shock them or confuse them and i'm such a huge proponent of giving them the answers and not the answer but here are some answers based on this situation and i found that the players are so much more comfortable and so much more prepared so to go back to eclipse and to connect your twitter a little bit more i see that you do a lot you post a lot of styles of play lots of videos i know that there's always elements of like possession and keeping the ball and and decisions with the ball and so is that do you you have your own style of play is that something that you put into the club is that and if you do put that into the club how is that received by volunteer coaches (laughs) uh I, uh, I'm a huge, I love the idea of, of, of winning the ball and keeping the ball. Um, I love the idea of building out of the back and having like a, a, a general shape, um, to the, you know, where people can see that you actually have some type of vision to how you want to play. Uh, I have, you know, it's a, it's a balancing act as the director of coaching in terms of how much, um, you know, I give and kind of say, like, I'd like to see this uh, because, like you said, with them being volunteers, some of them have their ideas and sure. what have you. And I think that's part of my my part of listening to them and giving them input is for them to at least, you know, give that same respect on the other end. Uh, we last spring or last fall, I kind of introduced the idea of, of instead of just um, – hoofing it on goal kicks to actually look to play just a simple pass and then work your way out. Um, and I think the majority of the teams are, are doing that. And so I'm constantly kind of sharing those types of things. I took my, I had a U 12 girls team this past fall and I would videotape and document kind of the, the growth of the team from like when we first started to, you know, over the course of the two or three months, and would constantly share that with the coaches so they kind of see um, that I'm not just only saying, hey, look, just because, you know, everybody can pull out Barca or Man City and say, look at this, this is what we want to do. Um, but for me to actually say, like, look, here's some 11 and 12-year-olds who are trying to learn the game, and we can do some things from building out of the back. Because um, I think that's the scare is at the – at the rec level and when you begin and select, you kind of go back to what you're used to, which is let's just get it and let's get it forward as quickly as possible. Right. Um, So I think it's just part of my job is to continually just keep sharing um, ideas, showing, showing what I'm doing with teams. I think the other thing that has helped a little bit is um, my teams that like I coached and, as we progressed each year going up, we continually got better and like moved further up in our leagues and what have you. Uh, so the idea sometimes of struggling early just to get your style and of play in, um, 
is okay because in the long run they're going to start you're going to develop players um, and teams that I think will be successful um, beyond that and also with, to your point about um, kids knowing what they're to expect when they come I've I used to have like a thousand drills um, mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> I've now narrowed it down and I you know I, I get my 10 to 15 because I don't want to spend half my practice explaining the drill. So it's really nice to have like set things that you open up with and Hey, we're going to go to this and everybody knows where the cones are and who needs to wear what penny and all those kind of things. Uh, you know, it goes a lot back to the whole organization thing that you're piece that you brought up. Yeah. It's, it's so valuable when the, if you, as you kind of work through the, the, the newer licenses with, with us soccer, the whole idea of having, a organization and there or an orientation and then the orientation phase is all about setting the game or setting the environment to be competitive for it to be like a game for there to be lots of repetition and Mm -hmm. if if you're always changing your your sessions if it's always something new your players have to learn that and it's going to take a while for it to look anything like it was intended on the piece of paper and I think if you, there is this idea of like task mastery that the players are a, first they're playing the practice and then they're playing the game. And if you've set it up well, it looks as much as like the game as possible. But now you are, you, you can use that same environment to work with your attackers. And then you can use that same environment to work with your defenders. Because if you're working on playing out of the back and you're playing a little 5v5 mini game, however you want to set it up, you're working with the five players on playing out but you need those five attackers to press properly and to create the, the, the correct problems and replicate the issues that the players face on the weekend for the build-out to get better. And then when the build-out gets really good, then you go back to the pressing players and making them press even better. And it's just, you can use the same activity over and over and over and over again. And the quality of play can significantly improve over two or three uses. And I don't think either of us will... will will push anybody to do the same session Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because that's not fun for anyone really. Yeah. But if it's, if it's part of a block and you use it three times out of six sessions or three times out of 10 sessions or whatever you, whatever you work in, there's that familiarity, there's that comfort. And they, they, I, I remember when I would pull this, pull this practice off the internet and think, Oh, this is amazing. We're going to do this. <laughs> and then I get out to my players and they're like, Oh, I've done this before. I know this one. And I would be like, but her that I, this wasn't a surprise and I'm almost offended that they knew what we were doing. Or if they said, I know what I'm doing and they were wrong, I'd feel accomplished inside. And then I'm, and now I look back at that thinking, what was I doing? And now I think like the more, the more, like you said, the more the players understand, the more, even if their parents know, and I, I like to share kind of our model and our plans and our style of play as much as possible because if their kid is playing in a situation that's really tough because I've been working with the other side of the ball for the whole session and he keeps making mistakes or he keeps giving the ball away, he's going to feel bad. He's going to, he's not going to have had a great session in, even though he's done what I've really needed him to do because we've won the ball or what have you. It's really important that his family and he understand that it's not all going to be rainbows and sunshine. And actually you're probably going to fail a lot, which is, which is what I really want from my environment. Yeah, I think the the other thing that 
is huge. Like you said, um, in terms of players know when they're struggling or they've, they are. And so when you give them opportunities to retry it in future sessions, um, the other thing too, that I've gotten better at is kind of manipulating things. So instead of like, you were talking about the pressing thing. So maybe I only press with, with three attacking players versus, you know, five or six. So now I get a little bit of, but as you keep building more players in that are pressing as they keep getting, you know, um, more confidence building out of the back you know, for instance, then you can start pointing to that. And then when it comes to the big game, having the extra players on the field doesn't throw them off because you've just been gradually kind of increasing that, which again is, I think similar to like a teaching thing for me, um, in terms of kind of layering or tiering, like, all right, let's start here. Let's get some success and see kind of what we want to have done. And now we're going to start building up, you know, the, the opposition a little bit and see if we can challenge you to make it. And then once you, like you said, um, the failure part, I think is huge for like for the kid um, to recognize and learn from, but also even for, that's one of the big things too with my videos that I did with the girls in the fall was I kept sharing with the parents. I said, look, just, this is where they're at. Let's see where they're at in a, you know, three weeks from now, we watch them in the next game. And then you just keep kind of, that's that process type of thing. Um, that Cause I think you're right. There's nothing better than seeing players when there's a, there's a light bulb that goes on or a, or an understanding or even just a flash of brilliance and, when you see it in a game, especially that's so rewarding and it's not, I don't think it's acceptable enough to be working on something once and then see it in a flash in a game and believe that you've completed it or to only see it as a flash once. I think that we'll talk about having a style of play and and a, and a preferred style. So that should be a constant theme in the game. And especially if we're working with younger players, high school might be a little bit different, especially if it's a, if it's a winning environment or a, at least a competitive environment. With our younger players, we as coaches can, can control that a little bit more and you can, you can emphasize on the way of playing. So you should see it so much more. It doesn't mean you know, playing out against the high press over and over and over and over again, but a way of playing around it for sure that is still encompassing if you start a play. And so I think it's really good to see the progression like that and then measuring it by asking players, do they understand? Are they performing? Are they executing? And I think if you look at um, the UConn basketball coach, Gino Oriema, he said in his practice environment, he doesn't want anyone to ever succeed. I butchered that quote, but he talked about <laughs> how the players, like they, this should be the hardest environment that they ever play in so that when they go into the game, it's easy for them. Yep. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. He's, uh, um, his level and his standards are so high that they, the, the game is almost a break, um, for them. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even, even with what you were saying with the, with the players when they struggle and like, even when um, let's say the other team is high pressing and it's super like we're having major trouble getting out. That's for that next question of, well, look, man, if building out isn't an option, what can we, what's our next, what can we look at next? And I think the kids, we don't get, it's kind of like we, we even talked about with the communication and getting input on people is um, these kids are smart. Um, and they could say, well, coach, I, I mean, couldn't I just play over the top of their press? And I'm like, well, if you can do it, then let's go. Let's see if we can play through the lines and eliminate with one pass. We eliminate, you know, three or four of their 
of the opposition. And now we've got numbers going forward. Like it's those little things that I think as the challenges grow, those are the opportunities to keep kind of, uh, you know, talking to the players and opening up to get their input as well. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said that by myself. Let's wrap up here, Kieran. Where I know you're busy on Twitter, so share how we can find you. I know you've got your own little podcast going on too, so let's give that a shout too. Uh, yeah, so I put out a so one. Uh, it's called Kieran's Mini Rants, um, and I think it goes out on all like Apple Podcasts and iTunes and all that kind of Spotify. Um, and I make it through Anchor, and it's really like right now. It's an opportunity every week. I go back through what happened in my, I call it my high school soccer coaching journey. So it's an opportunity for me to share, like even this past week, what went down in terms of with the coronavirus coming through and the impact it had on us this week. Um, And then I also did like a special um, homework for them um, using a Google doc and all that. So I'll go in and explain all of that. So I've kind of starting back in January, I've have, I think like six or seven episodes with that. And it's usually just me just kind of, um, talking about that. So if people want to check that out, they can. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm at coach underscore Boyle. Um, that's my main place. Twitter's, uh, I've, I love Twitter. Um, even before I got on to chat with you, got a message from a, a coach that's trying to develop more culture and stuff with her, um, high school team. And she said she's struggling right now because without having face to face, you trying to find something to do kind of more online. And it saw that I had been doing some stuff. Uh, so it's really cool. I'd like to connect with people like you and other high school coaches. Uh, I think as much as there's so many different styles and ideas and, um, you know, I want to focus on technical or always focus on tactical or if we're about fitness and all those kind of little things. It's really cool to have Twitter and have this mix mismatch or mismosh, whatever of ideas. And, uh, the cool thing for me has been just like, you throw out a question and boom, you get answers from coaches from all different levels in terms of their coaching ability and their licenses to where they are in the country, in the world. Uh, so, yeah. So if you, people want to hit me up on coach underscore Boyle, I'd love to have, you know, what things people are doing at the high school level, what they're doing as a director of coaching. Um, just, I'm always out there learning, 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 learning um, as I go. Cause I'll never say that I know everything for sure. Just keep trying to do the best I can. Is that a saying that once you realize I learn. I learned the most when I realized I knew nothing, something along those lines. Again, just be, having an open mind, right, of, of, yeah. of just engaging. And that's what I really like. You and I are huge proponents of Twitter here. I mean, this is how we connected too. But the idea that it's – I was really nervous when I first started on Twitter and started putting my, my own content out there or just almost – not exposing, but being vulnerable that, you know, I, I have this way that I believe and somebody could easily shoot me down or somebody could easily be offensive. And I see plenty of bad stuff on social media too. But I think that the coaching environment, people will challenge you, but they're never truly disrespectful. They're never really bad toward you. So I know there'll be people that are listening that are often in the background and will save things or, you know, copy things that they see. And that's great. But 
I can only encourage people to get as involved as possible. And, and even if they don't want to post their own stuff, you know, ask questions and, and know that there is a, there is a, effectively a support group out there that are willing and able to, to help and want to help as much as possible. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a firm believer of, of putting stuff. I love that when people show video clips of their little U8s playing or whatever, you know, any age. Um, like I learned so much. There's some college coaches that constantly post little clips. And uh, I think putting yourself out there, I mean, I know it's hard. Like you said, it's hard. And I'm dealing with it now as to um, not feel like you're being judged. Like it is who you are. So if that's put it out there. And you'll get some, some, uh, feedback if it's positive, great. If it's negative, it's even, that's better too, because it may be bringing something up that you didn't even think about, um, that you could tweak or change, um, and what have you. So that's been my big thing is just constantly putting things out. Like even my little, like doing the podcast or doing videos. And, um, like I said, constantly trying to just reach out to people like, Hey, what do you guys think of X, Y, and Z, or, you know, this type of thing. Cause I think, there's so many people out there with different experiences and uh, just backgrounds that they can bring to it. Just, it's been really cool um, for me in this and I hope to continue to grow and, and learn from all of it. Well, for me, from this conversation, it's <laughs> this skill of listening and it's one thing asking the questions, but it's another thing to actually listen and then to go and execute on what you've heard. So I think huge props to you, Kieran, for for the content that we just discussed on the way you're empowering people, whether it's players or other coaches. I think it, it's truly valuable. So, again, huge props to you on that one. And I really appreciate your time. I would love for us to continue this conversation at another time too. But thanks again so much. Oh, not a problem, Lee. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, Kieran, thank you. Yep. So as I wrap up this episode with Kieran, this common trend of listening was so prevalent that it's so important. The people that you listen to, you also empower them. So the biggest takeaway of sharing content with, with people and having them engage, but then also taking them on their word too and, and trying to enact things that they're asking for, I think has been so powerful to take away from Kieran. So make sure you listen to his podcast, Kieran's Mini Rants, and follow him on Twitter at Coach Boyle. Always follow me at Lee Dunn Soccer. I've got a bunch of content on YouTube right now. I've got a soccer skill score that I've been doing for our players in San Francisco. So please feel free to take it, adapt it, use it. Looking for some subscribers too. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and more coming from Heads and Volleys real soon.